0: Welcome to Wombat Radio. Um, Shall we start with you introducing yourself? I don't want to misrepresent what it is that you do or who you are or how you like your name pronounced.
1: Uh, yeah. Um, hello, I am Shafia Brooks. focusing more on facilitation. So I guess providing movement and dance experiences for other people.
0: Uh, tell me where this word specialist came from. Mm, good question.
1: I think I'm still figuring out what I call myself.
0: because because yeah, you I, know.
1: I know, yeah.
0: And when you used to move in like a, a professional community, it is assumed that they know, but then when you're dealing with interacting professional communities.
1: Mm, yeah. And I also feel like I don't just do one thing.
0: Don't as we all? all. Yeah. yeah. All like that. <laughs> don't we
1: all? Um, so, yeah, I guess I had to sort of think of a name that sort of wrapped itself around all of those things that I do as much as possible and would kind of make sense to as many different kinds of people and uh-huh. institutions and organisations
0: as possible. But also, like, it, it feels nice. I would like to be a <laughs> specialist. specialist. Yeah. <laughs> so when I think of specialist, I just think of, like, a justified higher rate of pay. <laughs> really? Yeah. Because <laughs> like you're not consultant. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. Okay, so you work with people, with movement.
1: So my, yeah, my life has mostly been within contemporary dance and training in that way and, and working in that way, but then I've also gone back and studied dance movement therapy and that is much more about looking at people's um, emotional connection to movement, so not necessarily just dance going to a dance class kind of thing, but also just movement. So how we breathe, how we feel, how we move through the world, what that means to us, um, how, how our physical experience um, is in the world, I guess, and how, how we can use movement to assist people through mm. their lives or connect to different parts of themselves, Mm. or make sense of things.
0: Yeah, there's um, the idea that language takes the amount of time that it takes for someone to develop, which I'm asking for you to fill this out, because I only know the very small amount, that first you need to have experience before you can then build language around that experience. And so when you talk about movement being uh, an assistant through life, it begs the question for me, how can it? not be life
1: yeah yeah
0: mm. yeah i remember being in a uh a truck and it was quite loud but at one point it turned off and i remember the bloke that was driving uh, his breathing style was in out hold she was like And I just remember thinking, how the hell do you learn that? How does that? Yeah. Why?
1: So, in yeah, in dance therapy, we would talk a lot about those kinds of things, so and always starting from breath. Yeah. So the reason um, it's called dance movement therapy and not just dance therapy is because people do just think, oh, it's... Picking up colorful scarves and running around the room, you know, dance therapy, which is also great. Lots of that too, Um, but yeah, movement as well. So from breath, from your heartbeat, from yeah, from that. Looking at how someone is breathing and why why they're breathing like that and what that means and how that how they might be feeling as to why they're breathing like
0: that, that kind of thing. So, and is it something about that? on some level, these are automated movements, breathing and, um, let's just take breathing that it is an completely automated thing that can happen without the higher states of mind and logic and rationality and emotion. But then at some point it tips over and becomes controlled and run by the higher state of logic and emotion and self identity. And so is this, are you, how do these things talk to each other? Like why would we not all just be letting the, the instinct take care of our breathing? Mm. Why do some of us take it over?
1: Well, that's, yeah, that's where a lot of the assessment comes into it. Mm. So... um So you actually look at the person that you're working with or population that you're working with, and you try and assess what are their needs? um, you know, what is their history? What is their, um, trauma? What is depending on, you know, what personal group you're working with and then how does that live in their body? So we also, um, we used Laban movement analysis a lot for that as well. Um, And so the idea that we're trying to experience as much uh, of a broad range of movement as possible to be fully um, whole beings. So, for example, if you're working with um, people with dementia or, you know, or to say, you know, in an um, aged care facility, then you know that um, most of the time these people are, always living their life in a forward motion they're not twisting a lot they're not bending down a lot their vision is often forward they're moving slowly they might not be able to move you know fast and sharp they might be um or they might be shaking or so you look at all of these things and then assess trying I guess connect those to their lifestyle and then trying to give them more tools to expand their movement um access and range and experience in the Mm. idea that that will then help them emotionally and cognitively and improve their quality of life. Mm. And sometimes that's, you know, sometimes it sounds that clinical. And then other times it's also just bringing joy, you know, bringing, bringing a joyful experience, um, and also human connection, like that's a that's a big one for me as well. Like having that, building a personal connection with someone, um, having a shared experience, showing empathy, listening. You know what? Going into a, a group, working with a group of people that you know aren't listened to a lot, and they just need to be or witnessed. You know how how empowering it might be for someone to for, to dance in front of you, or to create something and to show you.
0: Um, you've made me think about dancing and dance training and trauma. And uh, when I teach, I speak about the. I. I speak about that we are. Consciously putting in options for our unconscious self to grab at in moments of need. So we're consciously putting in more safe pathways in and out of the ground that are based on spirals and fluidity and melting um, so that when it comes a time, we do that slowly so that as the class progresses and it gets faster and your body starts to feel a sense of danger, it releases adrenaline, that it makes the choice to use the pathway that our conscious, intelligent, trained mind has given it the option to use instead of a reactionary possibly damaging or dangerous one. Mm. <clears throat> but then I wonder where, where that tips over, where training to effectively restrict the options towards the ones that are more beneficial for us um, becomes a form of trauma in itself just as trauma restricts our options in our movement, in our life. I only just had that idea. I'm not expecting <laughs> you to like, be able to blow it open for me. Uh, yeah. But it almost seems like a little bit of a uh that there is perhaps useful trauma and that there is non-beneficial trauma in, in that there is distress and eustress. Mm.
1: Yeah, and I and I think sometimes well, first of all, I I would always look at the individual. Mm. So you might have a whole group of people that have had the one experience but they're reacting to it um completely differently or it's living in their body in a completely different way to Mm. the next person so it's also about um yeah working with the individual rather than me going in and going this is how i work this is my prescribed thing and you're Mm. going to take it on and it's it's that's more behavioural. Yeah. So it's more I like to work a little bit more person centered. Yeah. Um unless I am teaching a class and obviously, you know, behavioural things are useful in some cases. But yeah, then there's there's also the thing of sometimes you you learn from trauma. Sometimes you're the things that have um made you vulnerable um or put you out of your comfort zone. Um are also, also end up being parts of your personality that make you unique and beautiful or have given you an, a different kind of perspective on yourself or the world or um, have even just taught you lessons and, hel- and helped you to grow. Or perhaps you can take that trauma um, and turn it into something positive that you can then you know yeah yeah, share with others
0: rechristening your weakness as your biggest strength
1: yeah
0: how do you go with um with that 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 conundrum of respecting this constructed individual while at the same time um providing an experience whereby they can choose which parts of their construction they keep and let go of
1: um, yeah, that's a really good question. I think that's really important. Um, again, to not go in and, and with the men- mentality that I'm the teacher and I know all and I'm going to show you the way to go, mm. um, but letting the person lead or the group lead to a certain extent. So it's it's about being really present in the moment with them, being very aware of of how they're reacting to things that you're giving out, seeing where sparks of Im- imagination or um, enthusiasm happen and going down that path. So sometimes I'll, I'll go into a room and I've got a plan, you know, lesson plan or something <laughs> that I'm going to do, and I'll just chuck it out the window because if someone's responding to something in a completely different area or they come in and they go, you know what, um, I don't feel like moving today. I, f- I need to rest. Mm. Um, okay we're going to rest. What, do, what do you need? Do you need physical contact? Do you need breathing exercises? Um, or so, someone might come in and say, I really want to be pushed today and I don't want to just do creative movement. I want to learn something because there's also so much power in learning things. So sometimes people do just want to dance class and want to learn technique or... What do yeah. you do in
0: those circumstances? What do you t- what do you choose to teach and what music do you play? Yeah.
1: Um, well, it really depends. I mean, I'm also now, I've kind of gone down the track of just talking about my dance therapy sessions, but I do teach dance classes as well. Um, so, yeah, so it just depends. Like I, I teach um, a class that's called Pop Icon where I teach people like moves from famous film clips uh-huh. and... It is so much fun for me, by the way. <laughs> I think sometimes I'm having more fun than anyone else. But, you know, just giving people that, I guess it, it provides a sense of nostalgia if it's an old film clip or or just that um, that sense of accomplishment that you see people achieving when they've learnt a move that they've seen before and they, they love to watch and now they can do it themselves mm-hmm. or connecting to a certain song that they really know. So there's that kind of thing. um I also teach with a lady called um sarah d who started um dance classes just for women so it's about and her her background has been um she's spent a lot of time in africa and she's she's got a hip-hop background so she brings a lot of like um afro-inspired moves and hip-hop into her classes and we teach women about moving in a way that's a little bit more sexual or you know getting in touch with moving your spine and moving your hips and you know getting getting your body flowing in that kind of way and there's been women that have been coming to these classes and learning like actually just doing drills learning these moves and doing them over and over and telling us these amazing stories of how it's brought them out of their shell or you know changed their lives and <laughs> dance changes lives <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. um yeah so there's there's that kind of thing and then if I'm doing a one-on-one session with someone that's more of a a coaching session or yeah, private dance therapy session. Um, again, I'll just see, um, what I think they need. So I'll, you know, pull out a bit of contemporary dance and maybe that, maybe I see that their, their bodies are really tight and tense and they need to let go. So I go, okay, let's learn this arm phrase and we'll learn about falling and we'll learn about, Breath, moving with the breath, and flowing, and letting go, and all these things that we learn mm. as dancers at the very beginning—that I think we forget as we we go on into our careers and everything gets much more serious. And you know, um, we have all these these tools and things to work with. We forget how beautiful it is just to go back to those basics. Mm. So I I like to bring those basics back into the room a lot, and to share those with other people that haven't had the opportunity to go, oh, yeah, falling feels amazing, you know, letting my arms swing and letting the natural weight and gravity take over. Mm. Um, so, yeah, it's about really looking at the person and, and seeing what they their body needs, what's maybe lacking. Mm. So looking at either what's there or what's not there.
0: How do you... Um, so my dad told me that he danced the bridal waltz at him and my mom's wedding and that's it. What do you mean? That's the first and last dance. Ever. That he's ever done. Wow. So there are, there are people who have never, um, identified that they have a dancing body or a moving body apart from to affect things in the world, move things around or mm-hmm. adjust something. Um, and he's very physical because he's a mechanic and a truck driver. But it's so task-focused. I wonder how you recontextualize this uh, experience mm. for somebody who sees the world in tasks.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's so interesting. I mean, I hear I hear that every day when yeah. people because I what I love to do is work with beginners. And yeah, quotation air yeah, quotation mark, um, or people that you know don't consider themselves trained or have have had many experiences in dance. And I hear that every day. People come up and say, "Okay, I'm going to do your dance class, but just before we start, I want you to know that I can't dance." Disclaimer. And disclaimer straight away. It's just mm. so ingrained that you know you can't if you've never done a dance class or trained in dance, then you've never danced. Or, yeah, if you've never done something that's considered Mm. a bridal waltz, then you've never danced. But maybe, I wonder if he's had a little bop up and down to a song, you know, on his own. You never know. No, you never know. But, um, yeah, there's definitely that.
0: um, But men in Australia are particularly strange.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's not, it's definitely not as much in our culture.
0: Yeah
1: to have dance in celebration and
0: or do you have just for fun um, or at home, do you have men getting in touch with their spine and their sexuality and their pelvis and coming back and telling you how it's just unshelled them
1: i haven't had as many <laughs> stories i must say but i have they had i definitely you. have had men come to class and yeah and try and and work out Work out what's going on and yeah, have a go and and it is often evidently more difficult, Mm. I think, and also our our bodies are different. Mm. But um,
0: for me, it's about what music is playing
1: and music. Oh, certain
0: like yeah, opera makes me move my eyebrows, (laughs) whereas like reggaeton makes me move my hips and my knees. Yeah, and there's not I'm I'm not considering this, and I don't know if I've learnt it from watching an opera singer sing and watching a reggaeton back up dancers or whatever. But that's definitely the parts, the parts of me that want to move to those things. Country doesn't make me want a, a little jig actually, like with the feet. <laughs> <laughs> something a bit like Celtic or something comes yeah. out whenever I hear folk.
1: Yeah. Music is so integral in working with people in, in that way, particularly in bringing people into dance or move or movement. Um, so often, I'll ask people to bring things in.
0: Yeah.
1: What, you know, what do you connect with? What <clears throat> makes you want to move yeah. in any way, if anything? Yeah.
0: Even people, yeah, there's quite a big movement of people listening to specific music when they're working, when they're coding or something oh. like this. And it's, yeah. it's like this laser focusing situation. And I think it goes ha- hand in hand with coffee and then like <laughs> a fast BPM. <laughs> <laughs> What um? Yeah. What moves do you do in your pop icons?
1: <laughs> well, it depends. So I yeah, I often Adam it's funny because it's at the point now where I actually have people contacting me like on social media saying, "Can you please do this one?" And so oh, I'll okay. for me it's it's you know there's a lot of yeah. research involved. So, oh, so I'll, to I'll go I mean, and watch the film clip and pick out the moves that I think I can achieve and that other people can achieve. And yeah.
0: And do they ask you? Can you do? This film clip, or do they say, "Can you do, say, the U-turn, or can you do the, um, I don't know, Harlem Shake, or something like?" Do they have uh, names of moves? Or no, it'll like, be like, "Can you this do this artist or this, film clip?
1: Yeah, yeah, or right. this this particular film clip or this artist?" Yeah, right. So many people just want to be a pop star, just live yeah. out that kind of fantasy. Yeah. Yeah. So it's been, yeah, it's been a popular one.
0: um, And do you feel somehow more cool (laughs) (laughs) that, like, this stuff's all in your body now as well?
1: I I actually, I've started, um, so I film each class at at the end, so just anyone who wants to be in in it. And I've started a a bit of a catalogue. Oh, cool. Like a repertoire, cool. Um, because there's also that I think YouTube it's, um, on Vimeo. Oh, great. Um, and I tell them, I tell them that, and I because I also think it's you know really important for people to be able to watch things back, like watch yes. themselves, yes. and also because I have
0: not I, straight away,
1: yeah, not straight <laughs> away, yeah.
0: but eventually, yeah, I feel like the first few years of learning how to dance, um. The only reason it ever worked or happened is because I didn't see myself, but people around me were telling me that I was doing it, and so I believed them until i my self identity caught up that with like or took over the other identity that I had, which was that I didn't know how to do it and then I obviously i didn't and I had to learn and look in mirrors and stuff but it it's a bit confronting to do both those things at the same time, yeah.
1: Yeah, absolutely. But um
0: What's the most popular one? Is there a most um, most requested or something? Or is do you have a favorite?
1: I mean, Beyonce is always Yeah. Always at the top of everyone's list, but um
0: Whereas like fifteen years ago it would have been Michael Jackson. At the yeah,
1: top of the list yeah. I mean I've done Janet. yeah, I've done a few of those, but they don't seem to be as requested. Mm. I think really what it is is People just love to do to feel kind of connected to something and yeah. to have that emotional connection. So I think, it, it, you know, at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter what it is as well. Like people, I've got people that come every week and they're just like, "What are we doing this week?" Because yeah. they just love the concept of it and being able to feel a little bit connected to it and to come in and go, "I've never." danced before some of them have never been to a dance class before or but they could somehow there's like a hook you know yeah. it's like i yeah. think i kind of understand yeah. what this is or and it's be. much less
0: intimidating perhaps to learn a move yeah Than to come and think that you're training to be a dancer or something. yeah do you um do you find that you have more or less authority to say teach beyonce because you're a woman as well
1: um okay. I don't know if I feel necessarily like I have more authority, but maybe it's that I feel more connected to it because I can see parts of myself oh, yeah. Yeah. in her or, or, you know, I can, I can connect to, yeah, but I am a woman. So there is it, definitely, it is true. Part, yeah, <laughs> is true. so I guess it's more, it's more, not that I feel like I have authority. No, no, no. But, um, um that I, yeah, that I, I feel. Maybe the question
0: is, do you feel like other people, would perceive that you have more authority than they do. Like, would a white woman consider that you have more authority because your skin is darker than hers when you're teaching her Beyoncé? I've definitely moves?
1: had encountered that before. Yeah. Right. Yeah.
0: And which do I you just like? Yes. Yeah, which
1: I don't necessarily think is true because no. I see her as a as a pop icon. Yeah. Right. I also see her as yeah a, a very influential african-american woman Mm. and that's half of who i am as well i'm an african or half african-american but um yeah no i i do find that though that other people you like i've taught i've gone and taught um hens parties where someone has specifically said i want to learn single ladies or something like Uh, that one of uh, one of those uh. and i've gone in and actually heard oh my god she even looks like beyonce (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> wow. What? What? Yeah. yeah so, exactly not. Uh, <laughs> um, so there's, I mean, you know, there's always
0: there's always some education of that going on, going, going on, but um. And then yeah. do you know? Are you talking about people coming up to you and giving a disclaimer before class mm-hmm. about how they can't dance? Do you find that that's even heightened because they're white women trying to do black woman dancing? Like, um, in terms of that, so much about pop is actually urban, is actually hip hop.
1: I think that there's some of that ingrained, mm-hmm. but I actually think that the bigger thing is that people, particularly with, you know, things like YouTube and things now where it's so easy to have access to people doing some really incredible stuff yeah. and people are watching all this stuff and, and being inspired, and which is fantastic. We have access to see all these things, but I think... Uh, the flip side of that is it's actually intimidated a lot of people. Mm. So I think it's now it's even less of a white people can't dance kind of old school mentality and more of a, um, I'm not a dancer. Mm. Like I can't dance. And and this sort of ingrained mentality that you shouldn't do something unless you're good at it or you're, you're a pro or you're that. I think it's more about that.
0: Mm. Yeah, it's similar with um, sport. Mm-hmm. Actually, instead of having a participatory culture around sport, we have a, a, a star and a um, spectator culture.
1: Yeah. And unfortunately,
0: yep. dance is becoming some kind of spectator culture rather I think than so
1: too. a yeah.
0: ritual or yep. a ceremony or a community. Yep.
1: And we don't have – that isn't embedded in our culture. Mm. Um, it's not about – yeah – Learning, learning your cultural dance and doing that with your grandmother and your kids. and so I have that, wondered yeah.
0: about that. Um, I put in a proposal to Critical Path this last round. Didn't get it, but I'm going to talk about it anyway, <laughs> to work out if there is a cosmopolitan folk dance or cultural dance that is happening around, I guess, the parts of the world that are less defined or identified populations that are less self-defined or self-identified by having stayed in the same place for however many tens of thousands of years that there is there some kind of dance that we're all doing as a way to be together that is our folk dance or are we actually without can you possibly be without a cultural dance Mm -hmm. if you're doing any dance at all and I don't know the answer. That's why I applied to research it. Yeah. But there must be, move, like, I dance and I know my friends in, <clears throat> in Europe dance and my friends in Egypt dance and my friends in the States dance. And if we're all watching the same YouTube clips, is that now our folk dance or cultural dance? Mm. Because it's the dance that we're doing together. It's just not hierarchical through time and it's not geo geographically rooted in one place or something
1: yeah and may maybe that is the case i mean the world is changing mm. I, I do believe that mo- like dance and movement is just in us though instinctually like mm-hmm. without there necessarily being a cultural dance like i i think that yeah it's just it's inseparable mm. like body movement and and some sort of expression is just a part of our makeup
0: It's like that um that twitch as you fall asleep apparently comes from like possibly being in a in a tree and like as you if you're like falling asleep and you fall out of a branch, you'll instinctively twitch to grab a branch. <laughs> And apparently that's that. And I like to think that, say, when I'm training contemporary, my style of contemporary that's more like Euro Crash with some breakdancing in, that there's so much falling and so much gravity that it just calls on all of those. And somehow I like to think a, a lot of what I do is actually just throwing myself and let, then letting my body deal with it yeah. and just catching myself. But um, mm. Oh, cool. <laughs> <laughs> I love
1: that. Yeah, I think, yeah, for a lot of people, it, and I love that because, yeah, just the idea of throwing yourself and sort of seeing what happens because I feel like I do come across so many people that are just so caught up in their head and and if they could just let that I can't dance veil drop, then that's the first step. Um, and And most of the time the people that come to class and say, I can't dance other ones just having a ball by the end of it and I always make a point of saying it yeah um and same thing I've been teaching creative movement for early childhood development Mm. at an institution where they um they have on-site teacher training so people that are doing diplomas and and things and is that just general
0: population um children or is that children that have been specifically um, noticed that they need some more gross motor skill training or something?
1: Um, it's for all children, but this place in particular specialises or um, caters for mostly migrants. Uh-huh. So it was um, they have their own child childcare facility and I guess their focus is more on cultural sensitivity. So um, just... Same same education program and same childcare centres as any other place around Australia, but with that added... Um,
0: awareness. Awareness, or, or yeah. Awareness asset. of... And, yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> yeah. really that's all yeah. it is, isn't it?
1: Yeah, of yeah. being able to have those kinds of conversations. And so things like, for example, so I would... Um, the the students would observe me working with the children at the childcare centre and then I would have... Um, a class with them where I basically took them through the structure of the creative dance class that I did with kids, Mm -hmm. um, an adult's version. Mm -hmm. So I'd invite them to, um, bring out their inner child, (laughs) but, um, it was really interesting because yeah, again, like using that word dance, when you bring this into, um, a very multicultural environment, um, even that word for some religions or cultures, they can't dance in front of other people mm-hmm. um, or they can't necessarily, maybe they can't listen to music um, in a social environment as well. But if it's considered just movement, that mm-hmm. might be slightly different. Mm-hmm. So that, I think that opened up a different kind of awareness to me as well in how the role or the even just the the semantics or something around dance and and. Yeah and movement and the definition of those things and how we view them and how different cultures view them and, yeah.
0: And is it because dance is seen as this inherently sensual thing or a sexual thing or...?
1: Um, I think it, de- depending on the person's outlook, I think it'll, it always comes down to the body as well, like what the body is allowed to be seen to be doing or yes. how we should be... Um, expressing ourselves yes. um yeah it's it's complex and very yeah. there's many different layers to it and there's no one rule in any religion or culture as well mm. so yeah i learned a lot from working with in a room with people from various places mm. and beliefs
0: um where where would you say that you're beliefs have come from around the body and around dance and what it's allowed to do and what it's allowed to share.
1: Mm. I feel like it just made sense to me Mm. from such an early age and more than anything else. Like I just remember being really, really young and just needing to move and express and you know watching things and imitating them and yeah wanting to show my mom or that was just my connection to the world the way that I was able to understand things and myself
0: mm-hmm.
1: and because I think I've I've never really considered myself a wordsmith <laughs> find even sitting down doing this interview i'm like oh i hope i can get it all out it's all in my head but can i get it out in my words um typical dancer thing to say but yeah i think like it was just always my it was my in and my out like Mm. it was how i could make sense of the world but it was also how i could show the world some of myself
0: yeah it's funny that the disclaimer for non-dancers is to make sure you all know that they don't dance Um, So they're going to dance. And then the disclaimer for dancers is to make sure you all know that they're dancers so they may not be good at talking.
1: (laughs) Yes. Oh, my God, it's (laughs) so true. Yeah. (laughs)
0: Which doesn't really make a lot of sense. I um, grew up in an environment where doing – it was instricably linked with thinking and you didn't make a plan and then execute it in the steps that you had uh, foresaw. You saw that something needed to be achieved and then you somehow started doing something and then made observations and decisions as you went along. And then the thing got done, but never very efficiently or effectively or like or often with a lot of stress. <laughs> and I've even seen that that's how I cook or like I'll get into the kitchen mm. and I'll put the pan on and turn the stove on high. Okay, and now what am I going to cook? <laughs> and then, like, rip everything out, chop it really quick, throw it in, so they're like, shit, I need some more water, things are overflowing, and then at the end there's a meal.
1: So there's that throwing yourself in and falling thing again. Yeah. Yeah, okay.
0: (laughs) Um, But just how what you were talking about, that dance is you're in and you're out, of dance is how the world gets in, and it is how the internal world gets back out. I think because I grew up in and it has become part of who i am to do as a process of thinking that i probably just got to the point where like even it's not even actually about exhaustion like going for a a run is exhausting and fun exhilarating especially if there's a dog or you've got some friends or something but i still feel stiff somehow at the end of it like there are parts Hmm. of my body that feel like they've not been Expressed in the way that you express, I don't know, a a, a boil or a pimple or something gross like that. Yeah, there's like there's something in there that's still in there because it hasn't been expressed. Yeah. Oh, milk is a much better one. Milk is expressed as well. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. And I, it's pro. I that must be a key tenant to the power and potential and possibility of working with effectively like an arm of behavioral psychology, but not through um, Freudian retraining of mind patterns, but like mm. from the outside in, like smiling until you feel better. Yeah. Mm.
1: And there's, and I think that's why, because it, it's, always made so much sense to me and what hasn't made sense I wanted to like I've always had this curious mind like I want to know more and it Mm. was important for me to go back to study and it was nice to actually look at dance in a more cognitive like scientific way without tipping that balance too much but I really enjoyed that part of it as Mm. well like the analysis or the you know maybe that person needs to feel the sensation or maybe you know what does it mean if this kind of energy is being held in the body and like i really love looking at the body and movement and energy and our personalities in that in that way the human condition i guess
0: mm. um yeah. yeah and just also how how powerful our minds are at completely fooling ourselves and that you can't do that in movement and you can't do that in gravity because you can believe that you know how to backflip mm. totally and then you can do it and then you can fall on your face and then you have to like your ego has to deal with that your self-identity has to grow and change and adapt to this uh reality <laughs> somehow <laughs>
1: Yeah, and this, this idea that the body knows more than we do mm. about how we feel or what's, go- you know, what's going on, I, I find that fascinating and mm. I believe that.
0: And then I'm, I mean, I'm also excited when you're talking about being more cognitive with movement and the power of movement because to me, cognitive just makes me think of COGS which makes me think of movement and then i see biomechanics in thought but um, what i was going to ask is about how did copying video clips when you're a young child lead into dance training and then realize that actually it would it came back to copying video clips <laughs> as an adult um <laughs> Good, because it could care. easily like you could easily have stopped copying video clips yeah and become a tool for the choreographer's expression as a dancer yeah. or something
1: I don't actually see it as me starting out as copying video clips and coming back to that I see it more as me I think I got to a certain point in my career where I just wanted to go back to that raw connection with the body and movement that I feel like, for me personally, I'd lost as a professional dancer, Mm -hmm. um, that raw joy of discovering something for the first time or playing in a way that wasn't for any kind of outcome Mm. other than just because. So I think for me, it was, yeah, less about that, uh, you know, film clip to film clip (laughs) Which I know you weren't trying to, you know, simplify, but like, yeah, more of that. I remembered being young and and just loving as, a, as everything. opposed to now. <laughs> as opposed to <laughs> starting to get a little bit. No, but um, <laughs> but um, yeah, just that you know that love of moving and expressing and 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 also like in a social sense, like making up dances with your friends or. Or even like when I first started um, falling in love with contemporary dance and knowing that I wanted to do it, like my first experience at what is now QL Two, the Youth Company, like mm. wow, like I can create, like I can make something, or mm. you know, oh, I can work with people in this way. So just that, or or having you know having that lecture at university that inspired you to let's just fall, let's just you know let's just test our boundaries and. Mm. It doesn't matter if you hit the ground because, you know, just I I think I just wanted to come back to all of that rather than one thing in particular Mm. and to be able to share that with other people. That's That's the key. Like that's what it all comes down to is connection with other people. Mm. Like, yeah.
0: How how does it get out of your 20-year journey? (laughs) And into somebody else's like one session a week to f- for them to connect with with joy or with self agency or with embodiment.
1: Um yeah, well that's that's always the challenge. But I love that challenge. That's my that's my new creative process. Yeah. Like that's and that's fire, actually. My fire and my passion and yeah. and my creativity now isn't necessarily like making work, but it's being in a space with someone and, and listening. That's the first and most important thing is listening to people like being present, listening to them, like what they're saying, but also listening to their body, looking, looking at them, like really trying to figure out, not trying to figure out who people are, but just what they need in that, in that space and trying to provide that in whatever way I can.
0: It's like the, um, how politicians get um, mannerism coaching or something because they quite often have to lie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or they don't even realize that they are lying at a conscious level, but at a subconscious level they do. And so it's almost like there's a space where you've asked somebody something and they've told you what they know, but then there's a whole extra layer of what they don't realize that they know that their body will tell you mm. how, okay. So how do you, how, if I'm not going to go and study dance therapy, although I've done a few sessions and I'm totally oh, down hey, yeah, yeah, when yeah, I've I studied a VCA. <laughs> <slightly>. okay, <good. laughs> um, how can I look for these things? How can I be aware or see just when I'm hanging out with people, what they're, what all of them is saying, not just what their words are saying or not just what their stance is saying, but how can I, what, what do I need to look out for or listen to?
1: Um, first of all, it's, it's interesting because when I did, when I went back to study dance movement therapy, I realized how much of what they teach is what we've learned as dancers through our mm-hmm. training, through our experiences. And so much of it is about kinesthetic awareness and like all of these things that we're always practicing even if we don't realize it. So we are actually pretty aware of people's physicality and energy and, and all of those things anyway. But it yeah, I think it just um we would practice when we were learning count one oh one counselling, um we'd practice active listening a lot. So we'd actually mm-hmm. Pair off, or we'd have a maybe a case study or something that we were looking at, and you just practice listening to people like you'd just sit down with them and you'd say, Okay, like, what do you want to tell me? or you know, how do you feel? or you you prompt them a little bit and then you just practice listening. I don't know what else to tell you, but yeah, it's just it really is something that I don't think we do.
0: Yeah, that I mark. also agree. Yeah. Most of the time, I guess, we're listening to respond. We're listening to be ready to respond. Yes. At the exact moment that they run out of steam so there's no awkward silence that could be taken as disinterest or challenge or disbelief. Um, can you say what is like a a few key differences between active listening and there's just, like, pedestrian interactions.
1: Yeah. Um, Well, I guess, yeah. one of the things you've said already is that we do have this ingrained thing. We want to respond.
0: Yeah, even if we're just repeating what they just said.
1: Yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I wasn't having a go at you. It's one of my good mates that I work with, Joshua Thompson. He's like... People, I think, really feel like he's listening to them and it's because of his habit of saying the last few words of their sentence. Oh, really? Back to them and then and then saying what he's about to say. And even if it's totally different, you feel like you've been heard somehow. Yeah,
1: okay. Yeah. Well, I'm actually listening to you. <laughs> I'm just feeling you. Um, but oh, now I've gone off track. Um, oh,
0: the things, the difference between prince- like a shop interaction or whatever or like. How are you going on the side of the street and active listening for the listener? What is the listener doing differently? So
1: I think having a lot of patience. Uh, so sometimes really just sitting and listening without any intention to be saying anything for however long that person needs to be expressing.
0: Like milk. Expressing that like, no. <laughs> <laughs> guilt Oh gosh! And then, like, not interrupting yeah. with things like that. Yeah.
1: yeah. Um. Yeah. Just not saying anything. <laughs> <sitting in> listening <laughs> for however long that person is expressing. <laughs> um. And uh, also trying to attune to them. So we would practice things like being being really there with the with the person on their level, so if they're sitting with their legs crossed, you're sitting with your legs crossed you're you're mirroring back to them mm. um you're really in there with them, so you know working with children um I would always say with early childhood development, make sure that you're you're bringing out your inner child too like you're you're on the ground with them, you're sitting down, you're like on their level um, yeah. I think mm. it's and just really practicing that and catching yourself out going and being able to say to the person I'm sorry I'm very sorry but you've lost me for a moment or you know being honest being being very honest about mm-hmm. that as well.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And yeah. Uh, and being honestly interested uh, in that person. <clears throat> Sometimes honestly you would
0: have interested. to generate that because it wouldn't come naturally.
1: Um
0: I imagine that's part of the skill of the specialist is I've, to be able to generate interest.
1: Yeah. I guess for me I feel like that's what's led me to this kind of work though because I am actually just really fascinated by people and mm-hmm. I really care. Like I actually <laughs> <laughs> Um Yeah, I, I do. Like I when I got to – when I when I was getting to, I guess, the oh, – it's so hard to say out loud – but, like, the end of my performing career when I was realising that it just wasn't feeding me enough anymore to keep going and that I was – I had one foot in and one foot out and I was giving it 50% and that that wasn't good enough. Like, got to get out. Um, <laughs> um, I was like, okay, well, what – but I, I don't want to leave dance. Like, this is so – my life what so what is it that I love like I really had to ask myself that question like what is it that you love about this and I just kept the response in my mind was just like people like the friendships I've made the the kinds of connections you make with people when you're in the creative process the that that bond that um that broader awareness of the world that you get working in a creative way and in a Embodied way with people, that was the most valuable and interesting to me. So it just kind of made sense, and I just accidentally got here. I think in well, mm. maybe "accidentally" is the wrong word, but I realise that this is where I'm, I'm meant to be. I think is working with people in this way. So I can honestly say, like, I've never worked with anyone and been like, <sighs> "No." <"Snore."> like, <laughs> <laughs> like, like, yeah. I I I really do think that there's something interesting and and something things to be discovered discovered about everyone. And so the creative challenge for me is how do I connect with that and what can I give this person if anything? And and I I feel like if I ever came across someone and I felt like I wasn't the right person to work with them or that I couldn't really help them, I'd be quite happy to say, "Look, I know someone else who might be able to help you, or maybe you should try this. Mm. Um, Yeah. I think it's, it's very important to be honest.
0: Mm. Mm.
1: And I, I don't like to teach what I don't love myself. And I always preach that. Like I would, would, I'd preach that when I was teaching the teachers about facilitating creative dance. I was like, you're going to go away and, and, I've given you all these tools, like a structure of what I do in class, but if this is not for you, do not teach it. Like if you just want to work with music or if you are someone that loves costumes, bring the costumes into the room. Or if you're someone that loves painting or arts and crafts, bring that into the room, but don't, because as particularly children, they will know straight away if you walk in the room and you're like, all right guys, let's dance. (laughs) So it's, yeah. It's just being authentic mm. about your joy as well as your knowledge of things.
0: Um, I'm interested in that point that you were saying about having one foot in and one foot out and how you, like you obviously made a decision but then following through on decisions into the unknown is pretty crazy.
1: Yeah. I jumped in and said (laughs) I did did a Matt Cornell. Yeah, Yeah. I just, yeah, I think um, making the decision to say no to, yeah, to any performance work that was going to come up that I know that there'd be that part of me that would be like yes just keep one foot in keep one foot in yeah, yeah. it was it was really hard to to say you know what no i want to i have to give 100% somewhere and and this is what i want to do and this is what i feel passionate about and as soon as i made that decision easy everything just flooded in so
0: that um calibrating process of working out how to listen to somebody and meeting them, like going to them to meet them where they are at, how do you uh, stay safe when you're doing that every day? That's a
1: really good question. Um, Yeah, that's a really good question. I think you always have to have you do have to have boundaries you do have to know where your energy finishes and another person's begins um that can be hard sometimes i mean this is something that you discuss a lot in dance movement therapy um ethical practice and all that kind of stuff so i could go on and on and on about that but just in terms of my experience um there's been a few a few instances where That has been challenged. Um, particularly, yeah, maybe working more so with people with at risk, um, or who are a bit more volatile and and unpredictable. Um, and you just, you, you have to go into a space knowing what, what those boundaries are and just do your best. And sometimes you can leave you can leave a situation and go oh like that's still with me and I think that's where um you need to have a self-care plan in place like I think that's that's very important for everyone just for everyone
0: I mean I was just thinking about shows that I've been in processes that I've been in Uh and thinking (laughs) self-care is needed right here yeah
1: Because sometimes that's not always being provided for you. So you need, yeah. And if
0: you don't take care of it, eventually your body gets injured so that you are forced to leave the situation.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, and that can be difficult and it's hard to have those conversations with, with now I'm just thinking about what you're saying, like with your employer or, you know, whatever situation you're in or whoever you're working with. But, um, yeah I don't really know what else to say about that but it's it's definitely something that's always in my mind like Mm -hmm. just to make sure that I think it's that thing of I need to help myself before I can help others as well so as long as I need to make sure that I'm safe first that I'm I know what's going on in this environment in this situation and then yeah go in and do the best you can
0: What's your biggest hope?
1: Biggest
0: hope. Um, So we're not live. Don't feel rushed.
1: Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I just. I just feel very grateful at the moment and I just want more of this. Like, I just. my, My hope is that I can continue to connect with people um, and to not lose sight of that, um, yeah, to try and keep that integrity in my work and keep learning. And, yeah, I guess my hope is just that more people start to embrace themselves and their bodies and movement and, mm-hmm. yeah, that's probably my biggest hope. And if I can be involved in that. And if that can be what I do, awesome. Like,
0: <laughs> Yeah, it's strange, isn't it? Because in, in some ways you're like a mechanic and somebody's coming to you and being like, oh, there's this noise. It's like, gada, gada, gada. <laughs> and you're like, mm. <clears throat> but they can't just leave and then you fix the car and give it back to them. Like they need yeah. to stay there and you need to say, I'm going to fix this and we're going to look at how you're driving and what you're thinking about when you're driving and where you're driving to yeah, and who else is there with you affecting how you're driving.
1: Yeah. And often it's not, I can fix this, but I can give you a bit of fuel. Or,
0: <laughs> right. Here's some grease you know. <laughs> and I'm going to show you where you can put it.
1: Yeah. Mm. Or, you know, help. Just help them be more aware of what is Mm. going on. I think aware. It's yeah, and I think that's the thing. It's not about fixing people, but it's just helping them to get to a place where they're more aware of themselves and their body and their emotional state and what they can do if they're having a panic attack or you know suffering anxiety or depending on yeah, the person's needs are. Mm.
0: Are there, um, when you were talking before about working in multicultural environments, do you find that there are some cultures that this is not such a big problem in? Or that all cultures have some kind of bodily hang-up, especially cultures that are super steeped in religion, that have a formulaic approach to how you can be with your body Mm. and how much you have to uh, refuse your body or...
1: Um I think that this kind of work is definitely mostly about the individual, mm. and then so you start at the core and then you start to work your way out so what's going on with this one person mm. and then what's what world are they what is their world like okay um, they maybe they have you know they're in this religion or maybe um they've
0: had this past they've, they've had
1: this past past yeah. experience yeah. or their family's like this or da 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 so yeah I think it really does come down to the individual, but then you're just looking at the individual's experience, whatever that might be mm. but it is definitely important to be sensitive to different um yeah to different cultures and different beliefs and and also being I mean, Going back to the idea of awareness coming first, also as the facilitator, having an awareness of your your experience, your history, your beliefs, yeah. and to have a a knowledge that um, that's not necessarily the truth. Like that, my my experience, my beliefs, my mm. my thoughts aren't the right and that everything else is wrong and knowing that okay we're all different we've all got our own culture our own experience our own whatever and to yeah just always bring that awareness into the space as well so that you can not have any judgments as much as possible and yeah Yeah.
0: there's a there's a boundary though isn't there because i know there's some like there's a I forget what the medical term is, but there's a condition where you believe that one of your limbs is not your own.
1: Yeah.
0: And it causes psychological and emotional stress, distress, and um, you, those people approach a surgeon to amputate this perfectly healthy limb and then some surgeons will say no. But like, the role of the surgeon is to always help But some of them are like, actually, that's not the help that I can't give you what you're asking for because that isn't going to serve you. Mm -hmm. So it's, yeah, I don't know. Yeah,
1: there is a time, I think I mentioned a little bit before, there's working with people in a person-centered way where it's all about looking at the individual and, and letting them lead the process. But there's also behavioral and behavioral is more. I see that more coming into my teaching. So this is technique. This is, mm-hmm. you know, so there, I find that the way that I like to work, there's a balance between those two things. Mm. So, yeah, it is on the one hand letting, letting the person lead and, and casting judgments aside and all of that, but also knowing that sometimes you need to bring that behavioral aspect in.
0: Mm. This sounds almost like one of them is working from the inside out. And is working from the outside in.
1: Yeah. And sometimes that's why the person might be seeing you as well. Like sometimes that's necessary. Mm. Particularly if that person's, I mean, mean, there's many different ways in which you can specialise within, say, dance therapy. But, yeah, if someone's had like brain trauma or, um, they have cognitive issues, and you'd be working more in a behavioural way because you'd be getting their motor skills happening again, and and all of that kind of stuff. So,
0: mm. Sorry. <laughs> Is there any the any um, epiphanies or anything that you um, or realisations that you want to share?
1: think yeah i think the probably the the biggest epiphany that i have had and i i guess i've I've already said it is that how important it is for me to be working with people and with communities and to help build a dance community that is accessible for everyone
0: Mm, yeah they call it listening to a radio national podcast yesterday um they're talking about fiscal policy, and they're talking about financial inclusion, and that it's not actually about financial accessibility. It's just that um, all people are considered in every decision, and that that is why uh, people are so defensive to from of Medicare in Australia because it's for every person, and so there's no like them versus us. That group's not us. Blah blah. blah. It's like okay, we'll all defend that because all of us, it affects every single one of us. But then, yeah, as soon as you're like, no, this is just for these people, Mm. then, um, yeah, everybody's less invested and on board and benefits.
1: I feel like that's, there's some sort of shift happening in dance at the moment that's happening, seems to be happening everywhere where there is a lot of talk about, um. Yeah, making making dance more accessible, or yeah, dance dance movement therapy is becoming a little bit more well known, and um, I feel like there is a shift, and there's all these things, you know, even just things popping up like five rhythms and and the, these things that are allowing anyone, just every everyday people, to express themselves physically and get mm. get into a room and dance it out, and there seems to be. A collective need for that, and so,
0: mm, and perhaps always has been.
1: Yeah, but there's something about it now. I feel like yeah. there's.
0: Well, um, I guess we used to have dance halls. And we used to have campfire dancing. And we used to have, mm. um, and now we've got the club. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe that's a little bit more of a charged environment. That isn't quite so much about freedom as it is about posing
1: yeah I, yeah and i think and maybe that's it is that people don't want to go to the club anymore people people don't right. they
0: want
1: to find different ways of yeah
0: i really like the idea that uh, of a shared experience that doesn't involve discussion